0: All right, for today's episode of Doug Casey's Take, we decided to go ahead and publish a private conversation Doug and I had relating to the hot-button issue of the day, the Israel-Palestine war that's happening right now. So it comes with some risk discussing issues like this, but we figured, what the hell? Let's see what happens. Of course, first, Doug shares the latest on Encyclopedia Britannica, and along with a personal story about him and Arnold Schwarzenegger. Enjoy.
1: As far as looking at my Encyclopedia Britannica, today uh, is the day that Thomas Edison was born. And I think he's very important. But typically, the Encyclopedia Britannica gives really short shrift to Thomas Edison, who's an important character in science and technology. And they talk about showbiz people that were born or whatever to him. I mean, Who gives a damn, quite frankly? Uh, But let me add on that uh, not today, but a couple of days ago is the first anniversary, I know this from the Encyclopedia Britannica again, that Susan Summers died. Mm. And might ask, well, why do I care about Susan Summers? And the reason Mm. I care about her, and I don't, but insofar as I do care about her, is that when I was on the Merv Griffin show, in 1981, whatever it was. So I was on the show with Arnold Schwarzenegger, Dudley Moore. Okay. There were the three of us. Okay. And everybody gives their little rap, the way you have to do when you're on a panel on, on Merv Griffin's show, except, uh, Dudley Moore, who was famous at that time for that movie, Arthur, was it? Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. What yeah. He had a series with us
1: Yeah. That's what he was promoting. So he takes the opportunity to say, oh, and in the audience is my very good friend, their boyfriend, girlfriend, Susan Summers. So she's a tall blonde chick and he's a little short guy. And, you know, she takes the opportunity to come up and self-promote. And she starts yapping about one of her health and fitness books. And it apparently turns out that she later built it into a multi-hundred billion dollar empire. health Eye master. The Thighmaster. The Thighmaster, exactly. So anyway, she gets up there and she sits to, to my immediate left, uh, moves between me and Dudley. And so she starts rapping about the blah, 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 blah. And Arnold, who'd really been talking before that, uh, it was quite amazing. He reaches over, over me. I'm in between him and Susan, or Suzanne. And he says, puts his hand on her knee, and he says, excuse me, Susan, but this is my time. (laughs) That was really strong, I thought. And then he goes back to rapping about his book. uh, (laughs) uh, uh, Some kind of book or whatever like that. So anyway, Susan Summers is dead. I guess the, the health business didn't treat her as well as one might have hoped. But I just thought I'd mention that because we talk about encyclopedias, Britannica's death or birth of the day. and
0: That's hilarious.
1: I I just thought I'd add a little bit of personal flavor into that. Now we can talk about more important things. I know. This other Zoom call that I'm on with all these financial guys and a bunch of military guys, because as you'll recall, it's a bunch of West Point uh, guys that are also financial guys that put this group together. So that's their orientation. There's a lot, of, a lot of spooks and military types that are also in the fund management business. And um, it's that uh, nobody talks about this too much, but I, uh, but they do. It's that all these young military-age males that have entered the country and apparently have cell phones that were given and apparently have been given credit cards or debit cards that they're recharged, I don't know what the facts are. This is hearsay. What are they doing here? You know, and what are they doing now? And this is a time bomb when you have when you have a couple of million, you know, healthy young males that have been organized within the country and are spread out like that, but are organized by. I mean, this this is this is a great way to create absolutely fucking mass chaos in oh. all kinds of ways.:
0: What are the guys on the call? What do they think? I mean, so that's the problem. What do they think is is uh how does it end up do they do they suspect that it's intentional?
1: Nobody seems to want to talk about it because it would be too outlandish, and these are these are all guys that uh. Prestigious guys that do a lot of shit on television and all that type of thing. Uh, some of these guys do a, lot, a number of them do actually, and I don't think anybody wants to uh, actually say that this could really be super serious. But I think yeah. they're in that.
0: Yeah, I mean, when I I'll tell you when this so when uh, on Sunday, Sunday was it Sunday before I left? Um, no, the week before. And the week before, when all the Israeli stuff started yeah. um, on Sunday, like, I, I had a, a clear path in my head of how you get to the point where, where, you know, the, there isn't war powers could be in both. Like I could, you could see a clear path because you could see these, the, uh, what happened in Israel. You could see uh, obviously all the things that have happened with the young people being infiltrated here. You could see the outrage that people were having and picking sides. You're either pro-Israel or you're pro-terrorist. That's what it was, and um so there's clear division of people pushing people into sides. With that, when I first thought of it, it actually scared me to be honest because I thought you're definitely because it seemed obvious to me that whether it's organic or not, that those okay. How do I explain? This? So. When Trump was elected, there was about a, a third of, or a quarter of the country that recognized that the unfettered immigration was a huge problem, which is why Trump was elected under this "build the wall" right. right. So, but the whole country was not aware of that yet. Most people still thought I was. It was just a, he was a bigot and he was being stupid about it. But now everyone in the U.S. knows. Let's just say. of the population, the 25% are totally unaware of things always what's going on. But 75% of the population now knows this is a problem. This is actually dangerous, but it was, and it's complete. So they say, understand it's a risk. And then all of a sudden it's crystallized when you see the Hamas thing in, uh, in Israel. And you can imagine very easily that same exact thing happening here in order to create the pretext necessary to allow Enactment of extraordinary powers of defense, to you could certainly the whole idea that I, I think I told you the guy who was on uh, the ANCAP call, the friend of Chris's who you met with, um, who said something like, "War powers would be invoked and an enemy not be named." I'm not saying that's that his information on that is accurate. Who knows? But you could imagine that you could have a couple of high-profile terrorist incidents in the U.S. that are not in, isolated to one place, but seem to be in lots of different random places. You could see them then declaring an enemy within and outside of the country at the same time, but we can't exactly say who they are because we don't know who they all are. And that we, then we have to do these incredible things to be able to get control of it. And you could see that actually happening because, I, because how do you get them? You know, everyone's saying there's no way Americans are going to go to war. Americans won't fight this time. They're not going to be able to trick them. All the GWAT veterans, the global war on terror, terror veterans are like completely against it. They're like, I have seven lines in my family, seven generations back, served in the military, whatever, but what ends with me. There's no way my kids will go. But all you need is a right event again in the U.S., just like after 9-11, and they'll be chomping at the bit, brothing at the mouth, signing up and ready to go fight the evildoers wherever they are. I think now there's a simple answer. Well, we weren't tight enough on our borders. We didn't have good enough regulation of the people, the flow of people within the country. We have to get a handle on that now. So, and everyone is aware now that there's a problem with the the control of the borders. There will be popular demand for it. And I think it's actually really, that is really scary to me because I could see how overnight, like the COVID stuff, it can completely change the paradigm. Yeah, I think the start of it, what happened in Israel, and what falls from that naturally is is actually is, is all bad, and I know definitely World War Three.
1: Yeah, and of course the fact that the chairman of the Joint Chiefs is—I don't know anything about this guy, but clearly he's a diversity hire, and he's got lots of bad ideas from what I've picked up so far in fact, all of his ideas so far that I've heard about are really bad ideas.
0: Yep, 100%. And top to bottom, the upper echelons of the military are corrupted. I mean, all of the best people were purged out, Obama, and what's left is a disaster.
1: Yep. Yeah. So I don't know how you get these people out. I mean, shit, God, what a fucking dog's breakfast.
0: It's... You- and people won't even want to get them out because they're going to be focused on other problems. You see these random terrorist acts in other countries now because people are so enraged by mm-hmm. the response. Muslims are, are enraged by the response of Israel to what happened with Hamas. And you see it boiling over. And then overlay on all of this, you have these extreme Jewish people who want to get started on building the third temple. They really do. Yeah.
1: They want to immanentize the eschaton. It's, yeah. and, and you know what's really interesting is that at all the universities, they're all, they, I mean, what it, it seems like they're all pro-Palestinian uh, whack jobs, but they're all Jews in the university and they hate, all of a sudden, everybody hates Jews. This is kind of interesting.
0: And, well, yeah.
1: and. and You know, I have a a very old Jewish friend who's a very reasonable guy. He's 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 an anti-cap libertarian. He sent me a couple articles that basically said, you know, Jews are really worried about, once again, being hunted down and having to hide. And you know what? I said, I didn't believe that. I thought that the Jews on my Jew call were just particularly paranoid. But no. No, they're not. They they really are paranoid about this stuff. Doesn't matter. They control everything in the U.S. They're still paranoid.
0: They are. I mean, there's a paranoid culture. How do you get the right, which became the anti-war party, to become pro-war again, where the left was the pro-war party in most recent years, not the right? Well, how do you get the right to be excited about war again? You get them because you take their enemy, the leftists, wokesters and you get them coming out proving which they already don't like they already don't like coming out on the side of hamas or at least on the side of the palestinians and the right is going to naturally respond as opposite as an opposing force to that and so we'll go along with the military action of all these people that didn't believe the news at all all the maga people who thought fake news tony fauci covid whatever they just buy completely the, whatever they see on the news now about Israel must defend itself and probably needs to expand into Iran. And certainly Syria is a problem now again. We got to do something. So all of a sudden, I, let's...
1: You know, I don't understand why we have to do anything. I mean, we don't why, why does... Everybody, this is the amazing thing. Everybody says, well, we got to mm-hmm. do something. Fuck that. We don't have to do anything. In fact, it, it, it would be counterproductive to do anything. Anything. They should put all, and, the, all those two carrier yeah. groups in reverse and get them the fuck out of there before something bad happens.
0: And the bad thing that could happen is if, if this escalates, they're gonna take out one of those carriers. And oh, you, yeah. you, you take out sink you kill 5,000 sailors in one with one missile. That's right.
1: Then the game is on. And this is interesting that that all the, you know, almost all the Jews in college kids are ultra-liberals. But now they're being persecuted because they're not pro-Palestinian. So they're—I don't know if you're a Jewish kid in college, what it's like today. But it must be kind of a little bit scary.
0: Yeah, it's funny that they—they they seem to think that they—that the woke was on their side. The woke is not on. No, <laughs> they never were. <laughs> they never were. They
1: never were. So it's something. So the Jewish kids in college are figuring, Jesus, we're all
0: by ourselves. I mean. Nobody likes
1: it. everybody, hates the Jews, it seems.
0: Yeah, well, shitting the Jews were shitting on the evangelicals all this whole time and the Christian conservatives, which would be which they'll be pushed back together now in all this. And you'll have uh, the pro war party will be the, the right.
1: Yeah, this is uh, this is a classic dog's breakfast. It's just it's hard to sort it out, like you're never gonna sort out this thing with the Israelis. And the Palestinians, because they both think that that land is theirs. And they're neither, they're like two dogs, two vicious dogs with a bone. Neither is going to give it up.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think the only difference is, a, the biggest difference is that one of them has a lot of power. And the other, the other part lives in an open air prison or under martial law, depending upon what part of uh, Palestine they live in. Yeah.
1: It's, it's just going to be fascinating to watch this evolve.